Hi, I was just cleaning my teeth because you said uh, three minutes. And I was. Uh, yeah, but then I started to have a conversation with Bob about uh, redecorating. Oh. Um, <laughs> klar, as they say in Germany. What do they say in Germany? Alles klar. All is clear. All is good. All is fine. Ah, like tout okay. If you say so. It's like everything's everything's okay in uh, in Italian. What do they say? Tutto okay. Yeah, tutto okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So do I. I really love it. In Portugal, it's yeah. tutto bene. Everything is well. Yeah, tutto a posto, tutto bene. Yeah. That's great. We've uh, we seem to have started. Uh, we've fallen into a um, showing off our other languages uh, at the beginning of. Uh, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Or maybe showing off is not quite the right way of describing it. I think it is for you because your language skills are genuine and deep and you can do all sorts of like verby stuff. Yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, overestimate my um, my skills. on that. How long have you been learning Italian now? Yeah, that's the thing. I remember um, actually in a restaurant in, um, in a West End town. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, call the police as a madman around. <laughs> Running down underground to a dive bar. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how we age ourselves. Uh, That's so funny because uh, it was just all abstract until you moved to a place like this and then suddenly a song from the 1980s. 1980s, yeah. um, Becomes real in a whole different way. Uh, Yes, in a restaurant. And um, it was with a group of Italians, many of whom were visiting. They weren't weren't Londoners Mm -hmm. and... And one of them, a lawyer, was asking me uh, how long I'd been learning Italian. Six months? A year? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. I know. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. I've been talking way too much this morning and have decided that you should do all of the talking for a change <laughs> in, <laughs> in today's episode of Midlife. If anybody had ever heard the unedited versions of these podcasts, <laughs> you would know in this moment Simon is being terribly sarcastic because most of my job is simply excising as much as I possibly can of me and trying to find the three to four words that Simon has been able to shoehorn into our conversations. <laughs> No, it's not true. Okay, five to six words. <laughs> I was going to um, ask you something. Go on. Uh, actually, I have done a lot of talking this morning already with a friend from New Zealand who uh, I think I would call him a faithful listener. Mm. And uh, he said, yes, you guys have... D- it's clear that you're doing an excellent spoof of an intellectual podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm both I'm both delighted and wounded by that. Exactly, and I think that's exactly how it was meant. But then I also he was wearing a um a Superman t-shirt, and uh, so I have a I have a test for you. I'm going to start with a quiz. Superman. Mm-hmm. What there is a there is a logo on his um, hope. Oh, you motherfucker! It means hope in uh, Krypton, Kryptonese. <laughs> it's not an S. 
This is a relatively new addition to lore. It used to be an S for Superman, but in recent years... Did it really used to be an S for Superman? Yeah, of course it it was. Like in the 1930s, it was an S for Superman because this was a man who lifted up cars. The, The kind of the complex mythology... Uh, you know, they. I guess it's sort of from the 80s onwards. In DC lore, I guess it really starts with Crisis on Infinite Earths, where it really kicks off. I love that I didn't even get to ask the question. I'm not going to tell you any more about the lore of comic books because it will just expose me as the massive tool that I actually am. You'll also just have to cut it out. So think of yourself as saving time for yourself in the future. I read that in one of my productivity blogs. <laughs> Oh God! Ugh. How are you? How are you, Lee Miller? I'm good, Simon Ellis. I'm good. I've spent the uh, week, uh, I would say, in bed with Michael Sandel. I'm going to uh, need more. Yeah, he's um, he's a philosopher. <laughs> Still, you're going to have to unpack this. And um, uh, I've been reading his book called The Tyranny of Merit. Oh, and it's a book about. Merit, the idea of the meritocracy, and it is. I just, I don't want to. I have to be careful here because I don't want us to slip from being a spoof of intellectual uh, <laughs> to an actual intellectual. Podcast. To an actual. Don't worry, that's but not going to happen. In terms of someone picking at and revealing the mess of the concept of, in some world, what happens is based on anything to do with merit. And that that's something that we should, um, let's say, support. He just hoes into it. It's it's riveting in relation to, in particular for me, class. Um, it's just extraordinary. It's a really, really remarkable book. And uh, I haven't quite got to finish, so I can't tell you what happens at the end. Okay, good, because I don't want any spoilers. Yes, I, I'm sure someone doesn't come out alive. <laughs> that's my guess. I, I got sent a book yesterday. Oh, do you know by whom? Yes, I do. I got a centre book by the author, a man called Jacob Wren, who is Canadian. And he's one of those um, multi-hyphenates. He's got lots of things that he does. Um, A slashy, a slashy. Oh, a slashy, if you will. Yeah. Yes, Uh, uh, dancer slash, choreographer slash, filmmaker slash. Yeah, he writes, he makes performance projects, he's a curator. um, And he's... um, I found a member of a, a, an arts organisation called PME Art, um, and he sent me a, his his 2018 book called Authenticity is a Feeling, and I'm only one chapter in, but I am loving it. It's about affect and performance. Do um do authors often send you their books? No, this is the very first time it's happened. I got an email from him a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "I hope you don't mind me reaching out. I've just finished reading your book Between Us, and." I really liked it. Thank you so much. It was a really beautiful and lovely and generous and kind email. And then he said, I've written a book that you might be interested in. Can I send it you? He's networking. Well, yes, I guess. I don't mean it. I don't mean I'm not saying in any facetious way either. He's he's doing that thing that, that, that we do as humans. Yeah. It was just a really generous thing, I thought, because he could have just said I read your book. It was nice. Go and go away and read mine. But he actually sent me a copy, and I'm I, only a chapter in, but I'm really enjoying it. Do you? Um, did you send him episode one of Midlifing as well? I did. <laughs> you did. I did actually say, "Oh, thanks." Here's another project that I collaborate on, which that just made me feel really awkward. 
really awkward. Your awkwardness is great. Mm. Hey, um, I see that we've had a text message. We have. In the second week of opening ourselves up to uh, scrutiny, we have been sent a text message from a friend we have in common. Are you going to read it? I'm going to read it. Cool. Do we say who it's from? Well, we said Ruby last week, so we probably should use the name of the person's... I think it's two of them, isn't it? Is it? Is it? Yes, it is. It's, it's from it's delivery. from Craig and Josh. I'm just going to pause here and say, if you have never had a cocktail made by Craig, you are missing out. He is the finest. Ah, oh, Simon. I've never had a cocktail made by Craig. He's moving to London soon. You have to basically invite him round and say, please make me a cocktail. I mean, he's a delightful human being for many reasons, but he's like an alchemist. I, I can't wait for Craig to... Do you think I would be best to just go around to his house and say, make me a cocktail? Or well, would I be oh, better to... I think if you invite him to yours, at least then you can say, here are all my booze items. Do something exciting. As opposed to going to his house and expect him to not only let you in, but also <laughs> use, use his booze items. Which is what I do. Uh, good morning, lovely Simon and Lee. And just... Uh, I like that he didn't say lovely Lee. He said lovely Simon and Lee. I think you'll find that that is a a kind of a a shared lovely. Lovely Simon and Lee. So that we are are somehow a singular. Simon and Lee is a singular. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks for asking us to offer something to pop into the conversation today. Less of a question, more of an idea. Mm. But we would love to hear you both chat around, single quote marks, making things with love. And then there are two little emojis. One is a cocktail. One is a dancing man who looks awfully like John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. Happy podcasting. Love Craig and Josh. Big X, little X. So I love this. And I also think that this is directly as a result of something that Bob said to Craig on Friday night. She said that perhaps the reason that his cocktails tasted better than anybody else's in the whole world is that he makes them with love. He's not doing it to show off. He's doing it because he really wants to pair the flavours with the person. Um, and so he has a conversation with you about what kind of what flavor palette you like, what sort of what's what's the things that make you that, that tickle your mouth. Um, and I didn't know that I was a person who liked a wet martini, but it turns out I like a wet martini. That's uh, less surprising than you knowing what the S on a Superman shirt stands for, frankly. <laughs> Does, is this the same Craig that thought that uh, a bottle of Verve paired well with... Uh, <laughs> with mozzarella sticks. With yes. mozzarella sticks? Yes, and because he said a <laughs> bottle of Verve will pair very, very well with fried food. And I'm yes. going to say... He knows what he's talking about. Yes. Totally makes sense because of um, having conversations about, oh, this really is snooty, this conversation <laughs> about French Accorta with fried food. It's uh, one of those things where you can go, yeah, with something with a really dry. Anyway. You were drinking that for breakfast yesterday. Is that right? <coughs> Maybe. <laughs> Everybody needs to know that Simon is uh, about to have his birthday tomorrow as of the recording. And I got a text message with a photograph yesterday of the green pancakes that he'd made for himself, which look much better than they sound. <laughs> and behind it was a bottle of wine. This was around about quarter to ten in the morning. I was I'm going to, hugely uh, I impressed. might even put, a, put them in the show notes, oh, put that photo in the show notes you just, for, should. just for a laugh. You should. I was so impressed that you were drinking wine that early. Well, it was a Saturday morning. As you um, said, you don't turn 53 every day. 
You only or, get one shot at it. Or even yesterday, you didn't turn 50 yesterday. <laughs> That's right, you did say, is that your, is this, actually, have I got it wrong? I thought your birthday was Monday. So ma- making, I love that. And I love it because it also reminds me of those, that idea about gardening, that that plants somehow know people who garden with love compared with people who um, don't. Last night I was doing some worm farm maintenance. How are your fingernails? Are they still attached? I I um, had uh, rubber gloves on. Good lad. Well, because I am basically swishing around in worm poo and we quite a lot of it. And they'd some. I think in when we had that hot spell, you know, mm-hmm. which yeah. uh, we call summer. Uh, I think the worms basically went fuck this shit. We're going down, and they um, went right down to the bottom of the worm farm, and they were swishing around in their own pee. Basically, they were trying to stay cool, mm-hmm. and they, a lot of them never really went back. And so I thought, I'm gonna. Re- <laughs> I can't believe it. Anyway, you can just cut this all. Don't oh, but, this uh, is podcast gold. I want to know what happens <laughs> to the piss swimming no, worms. Tell me more. Is, uh, just in case you have any intellectual uh, illusions. Um, and so I did some. I basically relocated hundreds and hundreds of worms. And some of them are very small. When I say very small, I mean, you know, baby worms are baby. They're really, really tiny. And yeah. I tried to do this. I tried to save as many as I possibly could. And I felt like I was doing it with, with care, but love. So I, my question is, what's the difference between, between doing love. something with love and doing something with care? Okay. Because the word's precise, isn't it? It He didn't say to make something with care. Care. No. So I guess to make something with care is how you... Okay. You approach baking with care. Mm. Yeah? Because you think about percentages. I actually don't these days that no, much, but I, yes. I know. I, yeah. But let's, prote- yes. let's just Let's pretend. keep that narrative going of me being the uptight... Um, Let's just yeah, uh, let's swing with that. Okay, but let's just reflect how many timers have you had go off this morning? <laughs> You're calling me anal. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Water off a duck's back. I've got thick skin. So, or as we like to say in New Zealand, thick skin. Thick skin. Uh, you've got thick skin. I was yep. saying that. In that sense that, you know, when you make something with percentages in mind, you're making it with care. Because you're being mm. careful, you're being thoughtful, you're being attentive. It doesn't necessarily mean you're making it with love. Now, I know that you are. You are. But I'm, I'm not saying that anybody who is being attentive in that way is necessarily imbuing it with a sense of, I really want the people who get this to be happy. <sighs> oh. I like that. So that's so it's not it's not because you could be following a recipe and still doing something with love. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that if you are a dogged recipe follower, you are not doing something with love. So Bob made my dinner oh. last Saturday, which is an occurrence rare enough for me to be able to not count them on one hand, but be able to say, "Oh, <coughs> Bob made my dinner." And Bob's and, your wife. And Bob's my wife. And she made me a burnt peach and burrata salad with... Uh, sorry, burrata? Burrata, as in the... Oh, uh, burrata, okay. Oh, sorry, I didn't roll my R. <sighs> burrata. You can say burrata. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. What? Although, 
the Italian word of the day, uh, yeah, an important on. feature of uh, midlifing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a, a word, uh, there's a type of food which is commonly toast with a bit of garlic rubbed into it and tomato and maybe some basil and olive oil. I know what this is. You Can you dis- tell me what it is and how do you say it? Uh, I, well, um, I think you're describing to me bruschetta. Oh, you're so close. How should so I say cl- it? So how do you spell it first? B-R-U... B-R-U-S, yep. And then what? S, uh, B-R-U-S-C-H? Yep. Brush- E-T-T-A? Perfect. Uh. Okay, so what you said, I think... So everyone, bruschetta. Bruschetta. Mm-hmm. So what you said was bruschetta. So you put an I put I an extra I in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did. Try I it was... again one more time. One more time for the listeners. <laughs> bruschetta. <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed it. I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Hang on. <laughs> Could you do it with a Western, oh, 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 an accent, an Italian man in from the West of England? Hang about. All right, my lover. Bruschetta. No, I can't. <laughs> Bruschetta. <laughs> no, I can't. That's, That's awful. Just push that second T a little more, Lee. Push that second T. Bruschetta. Bruschetta. Oh, I love it. I love it. Bruschetta. Bruschetta. Oh. Okay, so. Yeah. Is that the Italian word of the day? Yep. Cool. Just if you say, if any of, if I hear any of our listeners say bruschetta, I'm going to. You're going to lose yeah. your shit. No, sorry. Yeah. Is it sorry. like, it's like knocky, isn't it? Yep. Totally. What we before I rudely interrupted with the Italian word of the day. Ding 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 ding. We were Italian t- word of the day on midlifing. Yeah, we were talking about making things with love, and we were talking about the idea that Bob was making me a, a burnt peach and a burrata salad with uh, crushed pistachios, oh. and also um, a, a, a tomato pasta thing. Which oh had my a name goodness! That it sounds remember. incredible. It really was. It was. Del- I mean, it was the. F- I often say this about Bob's cooking, but it's like the finest food I've ever eaten, because it is always. Well, first of all, she follows recipes to the letter. She weighs right. everything out. She is wow. so precise. And I'm going when I, I if I come and find her in the middle of a process, I'm like, you can just shorthand it this way, and she's like, nope, this is how it is done. But it is always done with such love. Always. Has Bob ever cooked for a group of people? Meaning if you've got people coming round. I know that, you know, back in the old days. To my knowledge, Bob has never cooked for anybody except me. Oh. And I want to say that I really love that idea that that the difference between care and love in this context is that you are keeping... The in this case, the person who's going to eat the food, or the listener, or the watcher, or the the other person, you're keeping them in mind. Mm. Yeah, that the execution isn't the critical thing. Mm-hmm. Is that? Do you think that's accurate? I think that's accurate, and that's what to to go to Craig and his uh, cocktails. That's what it feels like is happening. That it, that this is being made for me. It's not being made. It's not being made. It's being made with care, for sure. It's being made with expertise, absolutely. But this is like, yeah, he did this thing where he got a little bit of. Um, I hope this isn't a trade secret, and he'll get mad at me for telling people. But um, he he just took a bit of lemon zest and just sort of squeezed it so that it released some of the lemon oil just around the stem of the glass, so mm. that my fingers would smell of lemon. 
after I'd finished holding the glass. I mean, come on. And that I know, is but you, just but, fucking gorgeous. But I want to know, is that because he knows you, right? He does know me, that's true. And so how, does, how do you make something with love if you don't know the person? Oh, I really, really, I really like this idea. I really do. It's um, because, uh, you know, because there's so many things that we do that you wouldn't imagine could be filled with love. And I think cocktails are not an example in the sense that because they evoke a particular way of being, don't they? Relaxing, um, end of the day, uh, weekend, whatever, sitting by a beach, Little umbrellas, <laughs> um, but of all, you know there are also all sorts of things we do, which don't have those, don't evoke those kinds of images. That I wonder what it would be like to do those things with love. Oh, that was a beautiful question. It really was, wasn't it? Thank you so much to Craig and to Josh for taking the time to ask us that question. And I'm sorry that Craig was then sort of put into the middle of the uh, of the response, but it's sort of, it's hard not to, to sort of take his... Yeah, that was, the, the context was... But also it does mean that um, hopefully uh, it won't just be me knocking on uh, his door uh, once he moves to London in order to um, demand with love uh, a cocktail. So you're hoping that just lots love. of people who listen to midlifing will rock up and say, can you make me a wet martini? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what makes a wet martini wet? It's, um, it's something about the... Uh, it's the proportions. It's about the vermouth. Yeah. And do you, think we should, uh, do you think we should keep asking people to do this? I think it's nice for a little bit longer, for sure. Um, what a pleasure. What a pleasure, Lee. And I also, just to be inspired as well, I felt quite inspired by that. And we didn't talk about death once, which, which is just great. We did really, really well. I mean, you know, that's, is that, that's not two weeks on the bounce, but it's one week. <laughs> yeah, we'll back, back to project, subject normal next week. But did, yeah. I just wanted to ask you one more thing. Have I got time to do that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, because you, you do the editing, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. <laughs> and, I do know. Um, <laughs> what Other than Bruce, what's the thing that you feel like the most common... Has there been a particular subject matter which you think, yes, that's been cut the most? Um, mm, well, I think I've probably cut Gaylords of Darkness out as often as I've cut out Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> there might finally be a link in the show notes. Because <laughs> um, I've mentioned it on multiple occasions to you and it's you never been. made its way I, yeah. But Gaylords of Darkness hasn't become a verb like to Bruce. No, well, yes. because I don't know how you would Gaylord it. I think it would be in... in to Gaylord of Darkness. To Gaylord of, of that. Yeah, that would be... I think to Bruce it is fine. <laughs> I, I think it's more that there are little obsessions of ours individually mm. that kind of come up. Come um, back. Uh-huh. And sometimes we refer back to something that we've said that I've cut out. So it becomes a constant... A sort of like I, I have to keep an, an eye on that because we've never really it's talked about it. It's an editing echo. Yeah. Or an edited echo. Yeah. So there are some things that have been removed a lot only because of repetition. Yeah. Um, so Bruce Springsteen and Gay Lords of Darkness will be two examples. <laughs> and then in terms of in terms of topics, I think probably I have removed the most material about critical race theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. is something that has been um, 
a word I love, adjacent, to many of the conversations that we've had. And sometimes we've tipped into it and, and tried to negotiate it. But I think in the conversation, in, in the process of talking to one another, we both sort of throw our hands up in the air and go, don't know how to finish this sentence. And so things are unresolved for us. And so they are, they become unresolvable for a listener. Not that things should be resolvable, right? No, they shouldn't necessarily be resolvable, absolutely. But I think they should at least be listenable. <laughs> Yes, I was thinking maybe that might have been the, um, but also, and also partly because I feel like maybe we come at it from quite different perspectives, but I don't know that for sure. I don't think it's our difference that makes it difficult. I think it's that there are some topics. Okay, so death is something that we will all encounter. And we, we've all encountered it to a greater or lesser degree at various points in our life, but we know yeah. that yeah. nobody's getting away from it's it. It's a great leveler. Yeah. So when we talk about it, we know that we can talk about it. And however triggering or upsetting it might be for a listener who might be going through a grieving process, they're in a moment mm. of their experience where it is particularly prevalent for them. And that's been the case for both of us in various moments that we haven't necessarily foregrounded in our yeah. conversations. But yeah. we, we don't feel that we have to dance around it because yeah. it's, it's ours. It will be ours, and it has been ours, and all of those sorts of things. I think when it comes to the the idea of, for example, critical race theory, as one example, I think we've also, there's been some stuff about gender in mm -hmm. terms of our male privilege. I think we often own our difficulty to be able to finish a thought process quite comfortably with one another and then just sort of can shrug it off. And yeah, mm. you're right. We don't need to finish conversations for audiences, but I do think we owe it to our listeners not to poke them. Oh, oh, yes. That that would be. In fact, that would be. That would just be too easy. Effectively, just a prod, you know, because that's that's shock jock um, kind of terrain, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a. Yeah, and I think. There is stuff that we say that might make people suck air through their teeth, kind of like... <sighs> but I, I hope that their discomfort is the cringe they feel for us in what we have exposed of ourselves mm. rather than them going, ooh, I can't believe you are those people. Yeah. And now that makes me angry, anxious. and I And they don't have... They don't have a right to reply in the way that they would if they were part of the conversation with us. Mm. But we are those people, though, Lee. In some way, in some shape or form, we are those people. 